It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Whether it's a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season is different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through a Bengals game day and get to the finish line of the 2020 season. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watching. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. The Bengals in Cincinnati drop Andy Dalton's homecoming game 30-7. to I'm your host, Jake Lisko. My co-host, James Rapine, down at Paul Brown Stadium, will be joining me a little bit later on to finish up the show in segments two and three, and I'm sure he will be very excited to talk about a thrilling game. And I hope the sarcasm in my voice is evident. As always, we get started with a recap of the game. Not sure that this game really needs it, but I will tell you how the Bengals got to 30 to 7 in case maybe you follow the team only by listening to the podcast at this point. I don't know your life. So I'll start with how the game went and we'll finish with James for the rest of the show with what the game means and whether this loss will have ramifications for Zach Taylor, who's trying to keep his job. But let's get started with that game recap that I promised. This game had it all. The Cincinnati Bengals lost three fumbles, including one that went back for a touchdown. It was on their first three drives. The last time a team lost three fumbles on their first three drives of the game, according to the broadcast, was the New England Patriots in 2013. Of course, the Patriots then came back and won that game. This Bengals team doesn't have the offensive steam to make up that kind of deficit. The only way they were ever going to win in this football game is if they didn't make any mistakes and they did make mistakes. They were moving the ball in the first half as the broadcast loved to point out, but their offensive success was a little bit overstated by their success rate on third downs. Their efficiency was not very good. Third downs aside, they were converting. They were keeping drives alive, but the big plays weren't there. The mistakes were there. And emblematic of those mistakes, of course, the three fumbles that I talked about, Travion Williams, Giovanni Bernard, and Alex Erickson, all losing fumbles on rushing attempts, including an Alex Erickson run that would have gone for a first down. And then they get a touchdown late from Samaji Pirine wiped off the board because there's holding. Quentin Spain right out the middle, grabbing shoulder pads. Pirine also tried to fumble on that play which I personally find to be hilarious, the ball coming out of his hands shortly after he crossed the plane on the touchdown that didn't count. The Bengals did run for over 100 yards. They had 30 carries in this game. Those carries averaged just 3.4 yards per attempt. 
The Dallas Cowboys ran it 25 times. Most of their success coming late in the game, they averaged four yards on their way to just over 100 yards on the ground. Of course, the story of the game, largely Andy Dalton, who didn't have a whole lot to deal with. They kept it pretty simple for him. He threw just 23 passes coming into the game for the first time. After Giovanni Bernard's fumble, the Dallas Cowboys kicked a field goal to start the scoring the very next drive. Travion Williams fumbles and Alden Smith for the Cowboys takes it all the way back for a touchdown. Then Andy Dalton comes onto the field for his third drive of the game after another fumble from the Bengals, this time Alex Erickson, and he's already up 10-0. And it's just easy for a football team to deal with the Cincinnati Bengals if they're spotted 10 points. And that's effectively what the Bengals did in this game. Dalton finished 16 for 23 for 185 yards. That's eight yards per attempt. So the low number of passing attempts, the low number of passing yards may make you think, hey, that's a pretty good game for the defense. But he averaged eight yards per attempt. The Cowboys finished the game five of 11 on third downs. The Bengals nine of 16 on third downs. Both of these defenses very bad. Overall on the day, the Dallas Cowboys averaged 5.4 yards per play against the Bengals 4.4 yards per play. You can't win a lot of football games when you're outgained by a yard per play for the Cincinnati Bengals. That will lower their already very low yards per play mark for the offense closer to the bottom of the league, closer to the Jets as they just haven't been able to function without Joe Burrow at all the last few weeks. The offense sputtering to another seven-point performance, this time against one of the worst defenses in the league. That's the difference. That's the difference, is that this offense, despite moving the ball well early, could not score. They did not finish drives. Credit Zach Taylor for some good play calling early. The, the players let him down. But regardless of who you blame for this particular embarrassing performance, 30-7. to seven. The Dallas Cowboys, 3-9 and nine coming into this game. Just a very tough time. For the Cincinnati Bengals right now in this season, they fall to 2-10-1 on the season. Their point differential, almost 100 points in the negative. I will say that Carl Lawson had a pretty nice game in the pass rush. A.J. Green caught some passes. He had a touchdown. Good to see A.J. Green out there putting up a game. Rookie wide receiver T. Higgins had a mixed bag by comparison to Green. He had a couple of drops on his way to a five-catch 49-yard day on eight targets. Could have had more if he hadn't dropped those couple of passes. But overall, not much to write home about in this game for the Cincinnati Bengals as they just could not do enough on offense to keep this thing competitive. And losing this relatively winnable game at home makes 2-13-1 look all the more likely for Zach Taylor's second season. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Welcome on into the show, James Rapine, live from Paul Brown Stadium, post-game Sunday podcast time. Another tough one. I don't know how many different ways we can say this team is bad, they're losing, 
There's a few <laughs> things that are good, but not very many. But we have to find news, new ways to say it today. Uh, for, for those of you that listened to the start of the show before James got here, you already know that I've said the word fumble about 50 times already. I mean, what, what can you say after a game like this? Well, you're right. You're, you should say it 50 times, and that's fair. And that, the, the reality is, is when you're this team and you have Brandon Allen and you have the injuries that they have and, and they're, you're lacking talent in so many different areas and there's questions about coaching and there's questions about all these things, well, guess what? Your margin of error is so thin that you can't even afford missed field goals, which is why Randy Bullock was inactive, right? You can't afford to give up things like that. And so when you fumble the ball three straight times, even though your offense is moving the ball down the field, I was pleased with how the offense was playing early on, specifically on the, their uh, second and third possessions because Giovanni Bernard fumbled on the second play of the game. And so I thought that that part looked okay, but th there's no overcoming that. There's no overcoming giving an opposing team, even a, a three and nine team at the time in the Cowboys, 10 points and eventually 17 points, but they had earned that third touchdown that took them 15 plays or whatever on that, that drive. So look, it is that, but, but it isn't that simple. And, and I don't want to look at it as that simple. And I, I think Zach knows that because he was really, it's the most frustrated I've seen him in a post game because I think he knows that, no matter what he does or doesn't do or whatever, like if, if the team plays like that, it's going to reflect on him. And it should, because if you're going to fumble like that, you're going to have three straight fumbles. Oh yeah. It could be an outlier. It could be a bad luck, bad break. At some point it's like, man, it, it, this continues to happen to this coach. This continues to happen under him. And there, there continues to be weird penalties last week, right? And a brawl and it's just ugly or, or it's, three straight fumbles for the first time since 2013 to start a game. The Patriots did that, by the way, which was insane. At least ESPN stats and info said that. So it's, uh, it, it comes back to Taylor, it, whether it's fair or not, Jake, I, th I think that's just the reality of it. And the reality of what being four twenty four and one now is, is that the margin of errors then, and you need to try to find a way to, to win a game. And I think this was a winnable game for them and maybe their last winnable game of the year. And they lost 30 to seven in, in, in not large part because they were awful in the second half, but partially because of the awful start they got off to, which was fumbling the ball three straight times to start the game. Yeah. Like you said, they're, they're not equipped like the 2013 Patriots who won that game, by the way, <laughs> Uh, to, to come back from giving up three possessions early. I mean, you can't spot a team 10 points when you're two, nine and one. That's how you become two, 10 and one. And that's exactly what the Bengals did. And it, it's a little bit complicated to discuss the implications for Zach T Taylor, in my opinion, because the fumble is clearly, you, you can't blame the head coach for, you know, suddenly, suddenly the team fumbles the ball three times in a row. And I, I mentioned that 2013 stat, uh, in, in the open too, because it's crazy. Like it's been seven years and I bet you before that you'd have to go back farther. That's a very infrequent thing. I was surprised that it's happened in the last 10 years at all. And the other thing from the broadcast, they said it's the first time that two different Bengals running backs maybe have lost a fumble since the nineties. That's a much more obscure stat, but you know, you don't put that necessarily on the coach, but th then they just go flat. 
Like they're moving the offense, they're moving the offense, they're in the red zone, they they fumble. They convert a fourth down, Alex Erickson fumbles. And, you know, it's a good play call. Even if it is Alex Erickson, maybe you can criticize, oh, don't put Alex Erickson in that situation because, you know, bad things happen when Alex Erickson touches the ball, which isn't really fair to Alex Erickson, but is definitely something that some Bengals fans think. And and you're putting your team in situations that aren't that bad. Like none of the fumble play calls were bad play calls, in my opinion. They just have really bad results. But but what you do criticize the coach for is how, how do you do nothing the rest of the game? You scored seven points. I mean, turnovers aside, Dallas has one of the worst defenses in the league. The Bengals were able to run the ball a little bit in this game. They found some things that were working for Brandon out. I, I mean, he can't throw the ball more than 10 yards downfield, but that aside, they found some ways to move the ball anyway. They were very efficient on third downs, but they just didn't score. Yeah, they, they went for it in the red zone a couple times, didn't work out. Brandon Allen had one of the worst fourth down passes I've ever seen, went out of the back of the end zone. And, and some of that is, is certainly on the coaches at that point, like, you separate the bad luck fumbles if you want. There's still a whole bunch of rest of the game where this team only scored seven points and they gave up 30 to a last place team that was on the road in, in the last game that, that looked like, you know, you really had a shot. And man, I mean, I, I get why Zach Taylor was down after the game after that. He should be. And, and the, the, the one thing I would say, and I agree with you, look, you can't control the fumbles. But you can control sort of how you react to them and, and not panic. And I, I think that this, and I was critical and I'm going to, for our UC basketball fans, Mick Cronin, his last real run in the NCAA tournament when they blew the big lead to Nevada, Mick is just seething on the sidelines and panicking, right? Well, I felt that in Taylor, like Giovanni Bernard got two more carries after his fumble. It's not they were like that they were like, all right, well, you haven't fumbled in 800 tries, 800. I think it was 829. Jay Morrison had it uh, 829 carries. And then you did. We're going to roll with you. Twenty five. It was you're getting two more carries the rest of the game. And then that led to Travion Williams, weird butt fumble with Akeem Adeniji. And then obviously the Alex Erickson one, which, look, I've talked about Zach needing to be more creative anyways. So. He had the first down. If he goes down and gets tackled there, it's a smart play. But since the, the outcome is what it is, it is a, it, it does seem weird, but I'm not going to knock him for creativity. But I do think that it was from the very jump, there was a sense of urgency sounds good, but the moment things went bad, it felt like panic. And that's why Gio only gets two more carries. That's why you saw Austin Seibert out there and not Randy Bullock. That's why Michael Jordan went from starting to benched and inactive and i'm not knocking that because i'm the one who said hey he shouldn't be in the starting lineup right now he needs to learn so i understand it but it it kind of felt like things went haywire really quick and and maybe that's it maybe that's what happened obviously we don't have the the sideline mic'd up but what when's the last time you know zach taylor basically sat geo or or sat mixing for fumbling right that doesn't really happen normally you would go right back to a veteran like that and that wasn't the case on sunday I do think that was interesting. I mean, Travion Williams was running the ball really well. And you, you can choose to believe or not believe that it was a plan. Zach Taylor saying that it was a plan to rotate the running backs. I mean, I find that a little 
hard to, to take at face value. The, the comment, by the way, about Geo not fumbling for 830-something touches, those are on rushing attempts. He does have six career fumbles, and I guess they just all came on receptions because he had two last year, and he had one in 2016 and one in 2015. Those are a pretty long time ago now, but he has 874 career touches. So I, I take that to mean that it's been since his rookie year that he fumbled on a carry. Those other fumbles must have come on receptions. To, to your point about... Taylor panicking. I guess I could see it. I mean, the guy is, is surely desperate for a win right now. He knew what this opportunity was this week. And, you know, he said after the game, he was, well, irate. What was the other word that he used? Oh, he said he was pissed off. Um, I mean, there was, there's a couple. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I get that. And I hear what you're saying about panic. I'm not sure if he panicked, but I can see where that argument would come from. I would buy it. I'm not going to argue against it. I I try not to read too much into the psychology of guys, you know, during football games, during press conferences, unless it's really obvious. He he was clearly very upset. Uh, You know, several people describing his press conference after the game as, you know, the most down he's been in a press conference after a loss. And I mean, I, I guess I get it, right? You go 26 games, 28 games, and you win four of them. Just not much to feel good about if you're Zach Taylor. And that just kind of is what it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that look, that's, that's the reality. But whether it's fair or not, if you thought that they had a shot, and they obviously felt like they had a shot going into this game, and I, I did think I was I was looking at it. And the more I looked at it, I'm like, well, there's there's a path. It might not be the likely path, but there's a path here. And it, you felt like outside of the fumbles, you played OK, which I, I in the first half was true. I, I don't really think so. I mean, you lose 14 to nothing in the second half. You didn't turn the ball over at all. So that wasn't really the case. Um, I just it, it feels like we're having the same conversation each and every week. And if you're Zach now, the past couple of weeks, how ugly it's been last week with Miami, this week with a team in Dallas that has had injuries just like you, and it was reeling, had lost six of seven before they uh, handled business today. I mean, and, and you go out and you lose 30 to seven. I mean, I I think that this is the scenario, kind of the doomsday scenario for him. We're starting to see that play out. And if he had came out and the offense had a good showing and you didn't have those fumbles, and maybe they even lose, but it's a competitive loss, then that's okay, and he saves face. But, man, after Miami last week, this week what happened, it it just starts to snowball even more. The record is what it is, and it's probably going to be 427-1. and Like, that's the reality now that he's looking at. But it's not just that. It's the way they've lost games, and it's the way they've looked in the third quarter. I mean, they haven't scored a point in the third quarter, Jake, since week seven against the Browns. That's crazy. That is that's insane. Like that is wild. And in, in, in to lose fourteen to nothing, and it was really seven nothing. Dallas scores late because you go for it and you set them up. Fourteen to nothing in the second half. It's just that, that that's why it can't just be about the fumbles. I get it, set the tone and all that stuff, but it, it can't be just that. To your point, it's you've got to look at it the other way. And I think there's plenty of reasons why you're you're looking at this like man. And questioning the coaching staff, because I don't think that the Bengals were, I don't think they're as talented as the Cowboys for sure, 
but I, I don't think it was 30 to seven bad and it didn't have to be 30 to seven bad. And yet we're talking right now and they lost 30 to seven. It's, it's just about as bad as it could be. I, I agree with that general assessment coming up next, James, let's talk about a couple of things that were nice to see. Well, well, as we try to do on these Sundays, on these difficult Sunday shows after these losses, try to end on a positive note a little bit. I got here. one good one. I got one good one, Jake. So I can't wait for this. I've got a couple things that I was pretty pleased with too, but one of them isn't at all related to football. Anyway, we'll get into that stuff coming up next. <laughs> Speaking of things we're pleased with, Jake, you know about Built Bar if you listen to Locked On Bengals. It's the number one protein bar on the planet. I love them. And you need to go to BuiltBar.com and check out all 18 of their amazing flavors, whether it's my go-to with the mint brownie, whether it's the cherry bar sia, maybe you're going for a little peanut butter action. They have something for you. I enjoyed one little halftime snack here at Paul Brown Stadium. Check them out. And the best part about Built Bar, it's not their amazing taste or that they're covered in 100% chocolate. It's the fact that they fit your macros. You're working on that 2021 summer bod. You want to look good post-COVID when we can travel again. Well, Built Bar is going to help you do that because they're high in protein, low in sugar, perfect to fit in to your daily calorie tracker. And right now you're going to save 20% off when you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Again, go to BuiltBar.com, check out all of their amazing flavors, and use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. James, as I said, before we wrapped up the last part of the show, let's try to end on a positive note here. You said you have a really good one, so I'm going to let you go first. And then I'll go if mine are different or, or mine is different. I don't know how many I actually have after really thinking about it, but, but why don't you go ahead and get us started with your, what, what made you feel good about, I don't know, anything, life today? <laughs> Number 18, baby. Number 18, did you see him? Looking pretty good. 1-8, Adriel Jeremiah Green. Uh, his first catch today, I was like, oh, looks pretty spry today. Looks pretty spry, a 16-yarder. I'm like, all right, I like that. And, uh, yeah, he was uh, he was in sync a little bit with with Brandon Allen. And I, I thought Brandon Allen overall was okay, right? I mean, he completion percentage is high, and I think that's naturally just part of the offense. But I, I liked that A.J. Green was involved and, and helping and contributing and obviously staying in bounds. I was like, A.J., what are you doing? But he, he made up for it with the touchdown. So I, I think it was good to see A.J. Green. I think it's his third highest receiving yardage output of the year. Obviously, he gets in the end zone for the first time since week 11. Uh, but it's a guy who hasn't had a catch in, in the past couple of weeks. So the fact that he was able to have six receptions, 62 yards, that's uh, and on seven targets, by the way, I believe. So pretty efficient for, for A.J. Green. What are you going to do? You're going to gonna get a receiver, throw him a slant? That's uh... – <laughs> That's what they did with AJ Green today. And if you don't know what I'm referring to, that's a Pac-Man Jones rant. The, the, the funniest part of it 
Anyway, uh, maybe you don't, maybe you guys have no idea what you're talking about. Go, go find Mike Renner's, uh, PFF Mike on Twitter. He's got some of the clips from this Pac-Man Jones rant that he went on on Instagram. He's talking about the Bengals coaches. And at one point he says, what are you going to do? Get a receiver and throw him a slant. That's what they did with AJ green today. And it went pretty well. Six catches, like I said, 62 yards, a touchdown. I mean, you could say it's his most complete game of the season. Against Indian, against Cleveland, he had eight and seven catches on 11 and 13 targets, respectively, for 96 and 82 yards. Didn't have a touchdown in either of those games. Six catches, 62 yards, and a touchdown today. I mean, it's his best fantasy output, for sure. <laughs> and, and I did notice that. I thought AJ had a really nice game. He, he was good with his hands. He looked like he had a little bit of juice today. And it's nice to see him bounce back because before this game, you go to his last four games, he had one game with a catch. That was against Washington. And in three other games, he had a total of nine targets for zero catches. So really good to see A.J. Green getting involved a little bit on a day where, like, you know, T. Higgins had an up-and-down day. He had a couple drops outside of, uh, other than that, a pretty good game, I would say, for T. as a rookie continues to have a relatively productive rookie season. I, uh, my thing, I was going to say AJ, AJ was definitely going to be one of mine. Uh, the other thing for me, and maybe some Bengals fans aren't going to like this. Andy Dalton and his wife had that little exchange with the Texas thing, uh, mm-hmm. after his late touchdown and JJ just looks so happy. And that, that was really heartwarming for me. The, the Dalton family is a couple of fantastic human beings, top shelf individuals, great people. And I, I tweeted it at the time. It was nice for me. Just, you know, somebody was happy at Paul Brown stadium today. And, <laughs> and that was heartwarming. And maybe that makes me soft. I know this is a football podcast. It was just nice for, for all that they've been through. It was nice. Sure. I, no, I agree. And all they've been through, not just, in Cincinnati, but think about how tough it's been this year for them, you know, when he gets a concussion. Uh, I think it's a second start with Dallas coming in for Dak Prescott. And then he gets COVID as he's coming back from that concussion. And it was an illegal hit from John Bostic uh, of Washington. And, and it's, it was just one thing after another. And so to, to kind of weather the storm a bit, so to speak, and, and have a pretty good game. And he didn't have to do a ton today, but to have a pretty good game and then have that moment at the end. Good good for him and good for them because they, they made and are still making Cincinnati a better place with their foundation. So it's, uh, it, it was good to see. And, and the, the other thing, Jake, for, for those that are, you know, cause there probably are some people rolling their eyes. Like I don't give a damn about Andy Dalton. Well, yep. that's fine. The, the good news is for that crowd, he helped you get one step closer to the third overall pick because the Bengals from a draft standpoint, if they had won today, they would have, easily fall into fourth and could have fallen as low as sixth. And instead of that, now they're locked into that third spot. And uh, last I checked, I don't know if it's going to hold up, but the Eagles had a 17 point lead. So that's pretty good for the Bengals in their draft draft odds, draft selection. If you're already looking at that, which a lot of fans are. Yeah. The Eagles are up 17 zero at halftime. As we record over the saints, I would never count Sean Payton out, uh, especially against a bad team like the Eagles have been. But 17-0 at halftime there. The Chargers trailing the Atlanta Falcons 17-10 to at the start of the third quarter in that one. The Chargers were trying to get a last-second field goal before the half. It was fourth down. 
and the offense kind of started to line up again. And then they realized they had to send the field goal unit on the field. And so they didn't get the kickoff in time. So they left three points on the field there in just another negative note for Anthony Lynn. You wonder what his future will be. Uh, how about Austin Seibert today? He had one kick <laughs> and he made it. Then there's no context required. No caveats. He made his, no, there is a caveat. He hit the right upright, man. <laughs> Do you give him a shot next week? I mean, why not, right? I agree. No, I, I would too. And I, I think that that's the thing now. And that's the hard part about this stage, I guess, is why not? But if you're Zach and you're trying to win, then there's a why not for sure, you know? And, and that that's the, that's, I guess, the tough balancing act. Because if you're still being evaluated by this franchise, well, the why not's pretty damn big. And uh, Austin Seibert got cut from the Browns for a reason in week two, right? It's not like he's been great, but Randy Bullock, he, he only made, entering today, he had made 40% of his, his kicks over the past three weeks, two of five. So obviously that's uh, that's not going to get it done. That's brutal. That's just absolutely brutal. And, you know, he, he for a long time, people could, you know, the beat writers, not not necessarily you, but but other beat writers would say stuff like, hey, Randy Bullock, He's hitting 90% of his kicks and it'd be like, yeah, but we know everybody knows. And, and now he's had a couple of bad weeks. So yeah, you know, you, you hope Cybert's a guy, but you know, when you're talking about a kicker on this team, that's the last problem they have quite frankly. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Uh, I do want to go back to one thing you said, Brandon Allen did have a pretty nice game. They, they found a way to, to control the offense and, and play to his strengths a little bit more this week. Of course, that's a very limited offense, but within those confines, he played pretty well. He played pretty well. He did. No, there, There's no denying that Brandon Allen, it was the best we've seen him look. And uh, unfortunately, and by the way, just one real thing on, on Zach. And I know they had some momentum and they were driving down the field. When he injured his leg and was like clearly limping hard on that right leg, how about you call a timeout and get him a second? Just get him a second here. And, and instead, like, it, and I don't know if that led to the fourth down or not, but I just, I felt like he was just really trying to plow through it and get through it. And he's a warrior and all that and all the, the football cliches and he, he got him downfield, but I don't know, especially before that fourth down, maybe call a timeout, get his head right. And, and, and then go back out there. Cause that was a really gutsy drive by Allen. I'll give him credit for that. It was a really gutsy drive and everyone's going to remember the fourth down, like throwaway essentially. But I, I think before that, that was uh it was a really tough spot to be in because, I mean, he took a blindside hit after he injured his knee and uh, was really slow to get up or got up and was limping even harder and, and then drove him down 50 more yards and, and they almost ended up and, and got points. So uh, I think he deserves some credit for that. They actually got a touchdown on that drive that was wiped away by a holding penalty that, you know, Spain had the outside of the guy's shoulder pad. Didn't really need to, but, you know, hey. He he could have could have been a gutsy touchdown drive would have been his last drive of the game most likely. Instead, well, thirty to seven, another week of man. You're right. It's Groundhog Day again on Sunday on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We will be back tomorrow. However, it's Monday as we record tomorrow, which means we're gonna have to talk about the draft again. And maybe James, we'll we'll start. Maybe we'll actually do a mock draft. I'm not sure. Hey, 
It's you think December. Ryan Finley's in on the tank? I think Ryan Finley is not an NFL quarterback. <laughs> oh my God, it was so bad. I knew we we're supposed to end on good stuff, but man, he's got to be in on the tank. He's in on the tank. He was instrumental last year in the Bengals acquiring Joe Burrow. And that is a positive note we will end you on today. Until tomorrow, Bengals fans, enjoy your night. Drink some water. Take a breath and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 